Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Winners of the East London Challenge Cup soon after their formation in 1885. The old Millwall Rovers are now known to their roaring supporters as the Lions. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Good afternoon, one and all. Welcome to Akdung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart. This is and remains and will always be the number one Millwall podcast. Welcome to the den, dear listeners. It's cold, it's damp, there's mist in the air. Um, the snow has thankfully been cleared brilliantly by the ground staff here today for the visit of Sunderland. But the uh, pitch is um, emerald under the, under the floodlights. A strong wind's blowing, the flags are blowing quite hard on the docker stand opposite me. We're all geared up here because there's playoff fever in the air, isn't there, dear listeners? As Harry's just uh, WhatsApp me saying the once-a-year playoff fever crowd are in the den today. All sorts of faces outside, people who are strangers in a strange land coming here. My, my privilege, incidentally, have a quick word with uh, Michael Hook, father of Isla Caton, the, uh, the very brave young lady who, for whom so many are doing so much to raise funds for her, 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 her treatment, her cancer treatment. You'll be seeing a tweet about that later. You'll be seeing links to the Isla Caton appeal and you'll be hearing a little interview I did with Michael at half-time. Just see if I can find you some team news, dear listeners. Bear with me whilst I hunt around the wilds of WhatsApp, of, of, uh, of, of Twitter. Oh, incidentally, there was some uh, controversy recently in the week about doing away with the, the post-goal music the chorus of Lamb Come whenever we score and also some critique of using the Beatles before the game I think it's quite nice look at that what's not to like about that some say it's plastic but I think maybe they ought to um, go with the flow a little bit it is an unchanged side you probably knew that already by the time you get to hear this Jewel Knight is in goal back line will be Jake Cooper Shane, Sean Hutchinson James Meredith Marlon Romeo Midfield, uh, Joe Saddle, Sean Williams on the wings. We have Jed Wallace and Ben Marshall up front. The dynamic duo, Steve Morris and Lee Gregory. Bottom of the table, Sunderland, 24th position. A great name of English football in dire straits at the moment. There'll be 
tough opponents here today, dear listeners, because they need the points. They're desperate for the points. But we're desperate for the points too, because we're sniffing playoff football with the unlikeliest and unlikely candidates, just where we want to be. The ultimate underdogs, the worst favourites in the world. So that's kind of how we come into today's game as favourites, which never suits us, does it? And uh, Morrison kicks us off. It'll be a huge launch for by Jake Cooper in the mist towards Lee Gregory. Lines early into the attack. That's down the. That's going to go for a corner. Should have been a corner. He was put behind. Let's give him a goal kick. Should have been a corner. Huge week of football for the Lions. We've got Sunderland there today. Winnable but losable. We're away at Hull on Tuesday night. That's a throw and it's going to go for a goal kick on, on one minute. Um, a Tuesday night away game at Hull. And then again Brentford here at the Den next Saturday. Nine points. Potentially that could really, really propel our season if we can take full advantage. Famous last words at Millwall, of course, as we know. Some great images online in the week of the players larking about, to use an old school word, larking about, mucking about with snowballs at Calmont Road. Long ball forwards here from Meredith towards Gregory on two minutes. Gregory's in the mix, he's getting penalised there for the bits of 23. Over physical approach by Lee Gregory, coming towards the second minute. Yeah, mucking about with snowballs, almost like five go mad in, in Downham, which probably nowadays would mean um, five go bonkers on drugs and vandalise a local shop or something. I'm, I've disparaged Downham. Apologies to all those who live in Downham. My family come from Downham, I know what Downham's all about. Bermondsey, Bermondsey in, the, in the country is uh, as my, my, my um, family thought of it when they moved out of bomb ravaged Verney Road. <laughs> clearly dangerous I'm just reading how they made a, a three goal comeback against Derby last week put back a 3-0 deficit to, to three each in their last game so they're clearly no slouches but one hopes defensively fragile if we can get in amongst them here they come again down our uh, left this is the 53 on the edge of the penalty here dispossessed there by Williams long ball forward seeking out Lee Gregory over the top he's over on the right hand side come towards the fourth minute it's going to go for a middle throw in nice transfer of play from defence out to Attack. This is Wallace now with a cross, that's gone for a corner. Right side of corner, four and a half minutes. And Williams it takes on the right hand side as the clock goes past five minutes, that's a deep corner. Jake Cooper at the far post, it's back across the goal, off the line there. Hutchinson puts it out, back out wide, this is Williams again inside now, this is Hutchinson over the top there. Only chance for Millwall, dear listeners, this is watching again on the replay. Corners floated in deep. Um, Cooper's unopposed, he gets a header back across goal, I think it was taken off the line by the Sunderland defender. If the league table were home results only, says the news at Den, home results only, Mill will be seventh in the championship, two points off of Sheffield United. On away results, Sunderland will be 20th, four points above relegation, so they're uh, clearly better team away from home than they are at uh, the Stadium of Lights, a strange name stadium, I don't prefer Roker Park, they've got a great old name, it was a World Cup venue in 66, wasn't it, Roker Park, but... Stadium, I've never been there, so I'm, I may be uh, knocking a stadium I've never been to, but the name just sounds a bit poncy to me. Marshall almost seeking out Wallace on a run through there. Nice work in midfield. Eight minutes. Sunderland wearing a strange shirt. I mean, he's got the traditional red and white stripes on the front, but the, the back is a solid red. It's got, almost like you've got two shirts stitched together. You see a lot of them around at the moment. See, I saw some on uh, Spanish football last week as a team with a striped front and solid back. I think it looks a bit odd red back, stripey front but um, probably not the biggest issue in the game at the moment, eight and a half minutes in I was reading an article in, uh, in the South London Press you might have seen it posted online, Steve Morrison give it, uh, spilling the beans on, on Mill's um, pressing style, he, apparently it's called 
by him. He's almost a general and Napoleon out there. And a Bermondsey Napoleon calling when to press and when not to press. That ball runs all the way back to the Sunderland keeper on 10 minutes. A lot of early mill pressure. So far, just that header from Jake Cooper being the best chance in lines. Otherwise, a lot of possession but no um, cutting edge. There's an old school favourite, you dirty northern bastard. Old one from the Cold Blow Lane days. You dirty northern bastard. The goalkeeper, that was number one. In sky blue today. Sunderland, of course, used to be known as the Rokerites back in my day. They were always the Rokerites. And I still think of them as the Rokerites. The Black Cats sounds a little bit odd to my ear because I come from another time, another place. Um, apparently it was a, a nickname voted upon by fans. Um, and the Black Cat logo is always featured in their badge, apparently. Um, hence the nickname, the Black Cats. It's kind of nice, I guess. But I, I, I always think of them as the Rokerites. But of course that nickname went by the by when Roker Stadium, Roker Park Stadium fell to the developers or what they've done with it up there. League champions um, five or six times, I can't remember how many it was there before the First World War and once again just before the uh, start of the Second World War Sunderland, no glory, there's their FA Cup win famously of course in 73, 74, the ball over the top there, that's going to run through to the goalkeeper right on the edge of the penalty area. Um, yeah, the, the famous FA Cup win from their last um, major success as a club, huge, huge name in football. Of course they were our opponents in the semi-final of 1937 when we made the semi-finals of the FA Cup as a, as a third division side. And more recently, of course, they were our opponents in 2004 in the semi-finals when the legendary Tim Cahill goal put us into the dreamland of the FA Cup final at Cardiff that year and Europe. Bottom of the table at the moment, there's a, I was thinking driving over, there's a slight... Um, there's a strange car crash come Roman ruin quality to major clubs when they hit hard times and feature at the bottom of the table. They're not long out of the Premier League, are they? And um, there's a slight sense of um, fascination mixed with pity to see such giants that have gained laid waste, laid bare. What am I prattling on about? I don't know. I don't know what I'm prattling on about. I kind of knew what I meant. I'm not sure I could express it properly there dear listeners so I might have to delete all that or then again being the kind of show this is I might just leave it in there for the fucking hell of it one two down the right wing there's a ball in from Marlon Romeo no one in the middle though 15 minutes goalkeeper takes that comfortably we're finding space down the right um, here come uh, Sunderland attacking fast down our left wing ball into the middle that's across the middle defence there's no one there that's to go for a throw in there's a ball across the middle box there. Wow, nice work from the right side there. There was no one in the middle to uh, take advantage of that chance. Going for Sunderland from the left-hand side now. Opportunity there for Sunderland. That's their best chance so far. Only chance. Sunderland just starting to press forwards a little bit. Dear listeners, there's a six surging forwards. A left-hand ball now on 17. Ball into the middle. There's the, is that the 19? Far, far away from where I'm standing. He's trying to... Disco dances a ball across the middle box. That's put behind... For a corner? No, yes it is going to be a corner. Lions come into the game 12th in the league table. Um, we have that uh, Millwall momentum going which can be burst at any moment and um, you know a, a defeat at any stage probably puts the uh, the playoffs realistically out of chance as it is it's just on the on the fringes of possibility but uh, we've still got to be careful because Sunderland are fighting for their lives and uh, that was a, an opportunity they just uh, didn't take advantage there too actually. So we've got to be careful. Ball into the middle. That's flicked across the little penalty area. This is Jed Wallace will bring out. Long ball forwards for Lee Gregory to chase down. He pushes in. He's going to be penalised. Yeah, Lines will be pushed back straight up. He's getting some abuse over there. Um, but yeah, no, 
he did push him. Incidentally, keep your eyes open. There'll be a new radio station launching in London called Love Sports Radio. And next Friday night, there will be a Millwall fan show, 9 till 10 o'clock on Love Sport Radio, featuring yours truly and Mr. Harry Warren as the Millwall duo. They have like a regular series of fan shows based around podcasts. It won't be Actung Millwall, but it will be Harry and myself from Actung Millwall featuring in the Love Sport Radio fan show, Millwall fan show, next Friday night, 9 till 10. I think it goes out on AM, 558 Radio on AM and also on DAB and on, on the internet and all the other places you get radio stations there but certainly we're going out on the AM station it's, uh, it's a new sports station it's going to be a rival to talk sports set up by Kelvin McKenzie Exeter Sun um, and yeah they've, we, we, we're, we're tr- going to give it a go um, who knows how that's going to go it's going to be on Friday night between 9 and 10 on Love Sport Radio and that will be launching I believe on Monday so keep your eyes out for that I'll be, I'll be putting out um, links to it as the week goes along 21 minutes Sunderland win possession in midfield the balance of the game started out in Mills' favour it's starting to become more even now Sunderland pressing forwards here as we tick towards the halfway point of the first half this is the 53 in midfield they're trying to pass the ball around trying to work some space they've looked quite um, quick coming forwards down the wings here they are now on the wings the 21 on the right hand side that's, that's clattered into Ben Marshall there is a sense of cup tie playoff style tension in the air I must admit there's a you know there's a sense of um, frenetic football out there both sides obviously are playing for their lives this is someone come down the left that's going to go for a corner 22 minutes comes towards 23 on the left hand side Lions just need to keep their uh, their heads together there's a certain type of Millwall frenzy that uh, anyone that follows the club over the years will be well aware of self-destructive frenzy it's almost like a you know you can almost touch the tension and there's a it's not quite there yet because we're still some some games yet from the, from the real business end of the season but it's just a slight sense of it at the moment and it comes from the left it's towards the near post it's headed clear falls to the 13 just on the edge of the D 24 minutes he tries a shot that's high over the bar the derision the derision of the mill supports balls for Tim Cahill warming up down below us early for him I think yet Neil Harris speaking to News of Den praised his team for finding a way to get the goal and get the win up there at Burton last week Um, he says we found a way to get our noses in front and once we're in front we're difficult to peg back Uh, talking about the pitch how bobbly it was very bobbly conditions were windy up there it was a tight pitch little space of passing it was a very tight compact ground Um, I didn't mind it there actually it's a non-leaguey type ground but um, as I said last week as character, as uh, Marshall wins a free kick just inside the, about halfway inside the, the Sunderland half, 25 minutes. Praising Fred, Neil Harris says, and Fred on your dimmer I thought was phenomenal. It's not just what he does with the ball, it's without the ball as well. He covers the ground so quickly. I know that uh, Neil Harris speaks very highly of Fred on your dimmer. Dare say we'll be seeing something of him later on in, in today's proceedings. As it is, it's going to be a free kick. This is Marshall takes, chips forward on 26 towards Cooper. Gets his head to it, but in the wrong direction, sadly. Let's lob back into the middle. Morrison loses his footing. It's clearly slippy out there. The conditions last few days have been, um, you know, like ice station zebra. Ultimate fuel. Fuel. Superman's fortress of solitude, whatever it is. Ball into the box. This is lob- lobbing around. This Cooper gets the ball offside, I think. Or is it handball? Possibly handball. 26 minutes. So conditions fantastic out there, but they do look a little slippy underfoot. There's also moisture in the air. 
Lions starting to get back into proceedings. A little bit under the cosh for a few minutes there. As Sunderland tried to press forwards. They're in possession at the moment. The Lions just starting to get back into their stride. He says as the ball goes over the top and they come down our right wing. Maybe famous last words. This is the nine on the right side. Balled into the box. That's hoofed upwards by Marlon. He's gone for a corner. A little bit of panic in the, uh, the defence there. A little bit of pointing. Everyone looking at each other. He's gone for a, a right-sided Sunderland corner. 28 minutes. So short, taking short on the right side. It's going to come in now. No, they're cutting inside. It's going to be a shot. That's 1-0. Fantastic shot from the three on the edge of the penalty area. 1-0, top uh, right-hand corner. A little routine, I think they call that. That was nicely taken, short corner, and smashed in from distance by the by the three. 1-0 to Sunderland. Watch it again. Uh, yeah, just outflanked there. The, the three's cut back inside, and that's a great goal, honestly. Um, should Arsha have got there, I think that'd be harsh to say that. 1-0 to Sunderland. Not much I don't think we could have done about that one. Sunderland fancying in the... Uh, a ditty to the tune of the red flag drawing some ire from the, uh, the mill sections of course launched forward by Jake Cooper that's um, been dealt with quite nicely by the 23 it just escorts it out for a goal kick 34 minutes what's that from Harry he says 25 yards out again for Jordan Archer some good news from the training ground Aidan O'Brien is back running training with the, with the team and also Byron Webster I saw Move breaks down there just in halfway inside the middle half. This is a 13. 53. They're on the right side now. 35 minutes. Conceding the free kick. Just get, I think we've been rattled by that, that, that goal slightly. Excuse my dribbly nose, dear listeners. It's um, dampness is in the air. I think up in Edinburgh they call this dry. It's a kind of like a misty mixture of cold air and, and dampness. Not quite rain. That's what we've got here. Dry. This is Jill Savile in towards Lee Gregory shot from distance from Shawnee Williams batted away by the goalkeeper referee can't wait to give a free kick the three goes down crushing his shin 40 minutes now on the clock it is lobbed in towards nobody sadly move breaks down it's going to go for a mill throw on the far right though just inside the Sunderland half taken quickly by Marlon Romeo this is Ben Marshall coming down the right he's got Marlon overlapping the ball's put into the middle of the ball Steve Morrison has a header just wide at the right post 40 minutes let's watch it again on the replay nice move down the right it's a nice crossing from Marshall his uh, crossing is getting praise and, and Morrison just uh, puts it wide about a yard wide at the right post yeah Marshall's crossing was getting a lot of praise from Steve Morrison in his interview with the South London Press the quality of the crossing, the flight of the ball. There's an example there. 41 minutes. Here comes Sunderland pressing forwards. 43rd minute. This is a 13, just in front of the D. He's got blue shirts in front of him. They're, they're spraying the ball around, trying to get the ball out wide. And it comes. It's across the middle box. Jesus. Hoof clear by, by James Meredith. Half time. Who's? Not the greatest of performances by the Lions in that first half. We've been slightly out, out milled a little bit, really, by, by Sunderland. Um, great goal from their point of view, uh, which separates the two teams that go in for the half. Um, overall, it's been a rough and tumble kind of game, and we've come out on the, uh, the lower side of the seesaw at the end of that first 45. So there we are. Uh, we're going to be right back after these messages of a short interview that I did earlier on with Michael, Michael Hook, West Ham fan, the father of 
Ida Caton and um, something that an appeal that we're all behind. So I'm going to cut over now to that interview I did earlier on with Michael just before the start of today's game. Achtung, Mehlball. I'm talking to a very special guest for Achtung Mills Day, an unusual guest. Last time you came here, Michael, it wasn't such a welcoming place for you, mate, was it? No, it wasn't, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Welcome to Michael Hook, um, father of the young Isla Kate and the story that's captured everyone's hearts at West Ham and at Millwall. Um, fantastic story, Michael. We're just doing talking. Um, it's really it's really taken hold, isn't it? I mean, amongst both, both clubs, fantastic. Yeah, it's just amazing the way that the two clubs have come together, uh, looking at our history. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't, doesn't happen very often, but at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're both working class clubs. One might be from South and one might be from East, but we're all the same, you know. Yeah, one might have won the cup a couple of times. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we won the five-a-side London tour. Isla um, and her treatment, we've just been talking a lot off-air. Um, you're still looking for more money, mate. The, your, your target now is 400000 The treatment, we were saying, has got to come from the US to England. For, yeah, so, so the treatment's changed in the last couple of weeks. So basically, Isla had a, br- uh, a relapse in her brain, um, which means now that we need to get her to uh, a hospital in New York right. to, to get her a, a special brain chemo, right. to get rid of this brain chemo, to get rid of this tumour, before we can then go back to America for the vaccine that can stop her cancer coming back. Fucking hell. I know, I know. It what, just doesn't get any fucking easier. No, it don't. It don't. Um, she's a very brave young lady. Um, you. We've seen the pictures online. Um, she's captured both clubs' hearts. She's a very special young girl, as I've said. Yeah. Put West Ham and Mill on the same size, an unusual thing. Exactly, exactly. Welcome to the club here today, Michael. Thank you very um, much. We're going to be posting a link for the show to contribute. There's a number of Millwall. There's a bloke running around Brentwood in the half marathon in the West yeah, End show. Yeah. I met him today. Did I met you meet him today? I met him, yeah. That, that's, that's quite something. I mean, yeah. it's it's quite a story. I know we were just saying you didn't want Isla to become a famous name. Mm-hmm. I think that's been thrust upon us slightly. Exactly. But what a story. What a story to bring two clubs like ours together, and and uh, the fundraising has been amazing from both sides, um, and and we're well on our way to getting Isla the treatment that she needs. And uh, basically, just want to thank Millwall for everything they've done for my daughter. Nicely said, mate. That's brilliant. I'm going to be putting plenty of links on on the Acton Millwall uh, tweets. There's there's links to Isla's fight, walk for Isla, which I'm taking part in in uh, Chapel Heath to, to the London Stadium. We'll see you there. We'll see you there, mate. See you and it's fantastic. Welcome to the Den. I hope you enjoyed the game today, mate. Thank you very much, Nick. Lovely to meet you. And you, mate. Arrivederci, Milval. So there we are. Fantastic stuff by Michael. It's a fantastic cause. Um, Isla is a, is a very strong, very brave young lady. Um, just three years old. She's battling this uh, this, this um, cancer, this childhood cancer. There's going to be loads of links put out. We make no apologies for keep pressing the links to donate. There's uh, plenty of um, new... Just giving sites, my one, another guy, Jay Pierce, all West Ham ones, it don't matter where you put your money into, it all goes to the same pot and it's all intended to get this vital treatment for this very brave young lady. Cancer has no colours, dear listeners. Some half-time tweets, the 72 EFL News, Mill FC nil, Sunderland AFC 1, Oviedo's Thunderbolt, whatever, that must be the three. Gives the back cats a deserved lead at the break. Mill Lioness is just uh, getting some applause on the pitch. They've gone, I think it was about a year unbeaten. They've got an incredible track record in, in, their, in their women's football league. Um, well done, Mill Lionesses. 
Harry Warren says he needs a Valium. No goalkeeper is missing any time anything comes from more than five yards, he says. Lions TV, half-time nil one pre-even game. Officials have been atrocious. If Bomber can shake them up like he can half-time, we are well in it. Oliver Weiss says shit. <laughs> shit, big improvement lead in the second half. Dan underscore Wall says, well, that was utter shit. So that was quite that bad, but um, wasn't our best performance, Dan. I do agree. Uh, no new talking. The new podcast says halftime booze ring around the ground, most likely to the officials. Um, Eddie Toomey says, Jordan Archer is a fluttering cunt. Fluttering cunt. John Kelly says the home side have been awful, nil one at half time. Millworth FC says plenty of work to do in the second half, that's that much is for sure. Tom S says that Chris Coleman's worked out that the way to play against us is to let us have the ball. We've been a long, long way second best in the half. I do agree with you there, Tom. Grumpy Grimace says that Jake Cooper heading the ball out for the corner, which we conceded the goal from, when Archer was shouting keeper's ball, tells Grumpy that he has no confidence in Archer. Cooper has no confidence in Archer, says Grumpy. And Stephen Jones finally says, we all knew this was coming. It's Millwall all over, very poor against the side bottom of the league. They've come and done a job on us, and it's worked a treat. Well, here we go for the second half, dear listeners. Lions will be attacking the cold blow lane end in the second half under the auspices of the Millwall Act 1971. As is right and proper. Sunday will be coming at their fans in the away end. Lions with much work to do, as the official site has it. Mill free kick. Right hand side, about halfway inside the Sunday half, 46 minutes. It's going to be a chance for Marshall and Williams to whip the ball in. It's going to be uh, Marshall that's going to whip the ball in. He of the praised flighted delivery by Steve Morrison. About halfway inside the, the Sunday half, about two yards short of the right touchline. In it comes. Near post is, is flighted on from the, the first defender. There's no middle player there. It falls to Lee Gregory, scuffs his shot. Left side, the ball bounced through to Lee Gregory, didn't quite get it under control, scuffed his shot. The goalkeeper was able to collect down and low. Now, I know this show goes out all over the world, around the globe, from uh, Milan to Yucatan, from Bombay to Santa Fe. Um, but if wherever you're listening in the, in the world, if you're not in the UK, it's a very cold, damp afternoon. The kind of cold British afternoon where your nose, your nose starts to dribble and you lose um, the ability to think straight, as I did up there at Burton last week, or so this week in Bermondsey. So, yeah, wherever you are, in um, Parramatta, Tasmania, New Zealand, in the warm, it's damp and cold. That British damp and cold peculiar to this country. It's a different kind of cold to what you get abroad. I was over in Germany the other, the other week now, Berlin, and it was minus, minus 10 out there, but it somehow felt drier, the cold felt drier. It was cold, but it wasn't this kind of damp, um, miserable cold that we get here. Lions trying to press forwards at the start of the second half, dear listeners. Cooper now with the ball angled towards Steve Morris. He gets his head to it. It falls across the box. Looks like a penalty shot there. Referee gives nothing. That was Ben Marshall went flying. Referee looked and looked and gave nothing. Romeo back now to, to Hutchinson. Can he get the ball in? He can. Got into the middle. There's, there's Lee Gregor. That's a looping header. It's tipped over by the goalkeeper. Top right-hand corner there. 
Then they move corner on the right-hand side, Dennis Nez. Chance for the fans to get into something, get, to get behind the team. Could be Marshall that takes on the right side. And it comes from the right, deep, 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 towards Jake Cooper. It goes over everyone's head, it falls to Savile, it's bouncing around. Meredith chips it back into the middle. Just taken off the head of, of Steve Morrison. It's going to be hoofed clear. Anywhere will do for Sunderland at the moment. All over the top for, for Lee Gregory to chase down. The goalkeeper has to come out of his area. Puts it into touch. 52 minutes. Lines trying to get ahead of steam going here. The fireman is throwing the coal into the engine. To use a steam train metaphor. This ball over on the left-hand side. This is James Meredith. He's got uh, Marshall overlapping him. Can he get the ball in? Takes his man on. He floats it in. He can get the ball in. Just underneath the bar, the goalkeeper takes it as Gregory was coming in there. Error there by Sean Hutchinson, a rare one, gives the ball away on the halfway lines. His Sunderland now on the break. 53 coming down the right sides into the penalty area. That's stopped well in the end there by, by Ben Marshall, by Jake Cooper, sorry, excuse me. A little bit of sloppy play by me, almost giving the ball away there. But anyway, we retain possessions. It's Steve Morrison now on the on the halfway line. Ball over the top. He finds Jed Wallace. 54 minutes on the right side. Balls takes a deflection straight into the arms of the goalkeeper. Couldn't find Lee Gregor in the middle. They're doing his best to get behind the lines. Get some fire in the belly for the second half. Some kickoff news moving. Um, Barnsley away on the 17th. You've probably seen this on on the net on the social media but they've moved the kickoff forward to one o'clock just to be fucking awkward I think really by the South Yorkshire police um, allegedly there's a, a safety reasons they you know the factors you know what they quote these moments but yeah one o'clock kickoff now for the Barnsley game away uh, and never mind you damn you if you've paid for train tickets and the like good to see the club are taking up the calls of uh, fans paying for tickets this is Mar uh, Meredith going down the left hand side with a call on the left Little moment there where the defender spilled the ball. Little moment where Meredith like my surge into the box, but just overran it. It's going to go for a real corner to the left. 57 minutes, dear listeners. Yeah, the club are trying to get refunds from, uh, I don't know where they're going to get them from, the train companies maybe. Um, but there we are, the police give not, don't give a hoot about that. Ball's into the middle. That's put behind by the son of the defence on the left-hand side there. Now. It's going to go for another corner on the, on the right side. Sorry, right-sided corner. A scrappy performance by Millwall. They're trying to press forwards at the moment in the second half. This is Romeo combining with, with Jed Wallace. Can he get it in? He can. Near post ball. Headed away by the defender. It's going to go for a throw in for Millwall. Gregory in the tackle there, but they retain possession. 61 minutes. Now getting behind the team. Move breaks down midfield. This is Millwall coming forward. This is Gregory. Feeds through to. Wallace, he's just edged off the ball by the 23, back very quickly there. There's a little moment. Ryan's starting to press forwards again. This is Meredith on the left-hand side. Finds Marshall. Been very effective down at left side. The ball into the box that's just cut out by the Sunderland defenders again. They seem to be running into blind alleys at the moment, dear listeners. Every ball forwards from Mill seems to be finding a red shirt. And we just haven't got much um, structure to our game today. There's Meredith coming down the left-hand side. The referee pulls the play up. The Sunderland player's gone down. And he's indicated a head injury. Break the Mill play up completely. You can hear what the Mill fans think of the referee. Halfway through the second half, the listeners. 67 minutes. Mill searching desperately for a, a way back into the game. We found a way at Burton. Can we find a way back here? 
today in Burmans. This is Marlon Rowe on the right side. He checks inside. This is Jeb Wallace. Pulls into the middle. Taken by the goalkeeper again. Marlon clattered. No free kick given. Great tackle by Joel Savile. Wins the ball halfway inside the Sunderland half. He's got Marlon overlapping him. This is Jed Wallace now. Floats the ball in from the right side. This is Steve Morrison. Shot off the line now. Meredith's volley is put over the bar. Deflected over the bar. 67, 68 minutes. Big chance there, the listeners. Great save by the, the Sunderland goalkeeper. He's kept the minute. He's looked solid this game, that goalkeeper, but that was a great save from Steve Morrison. Could be a, right, a left-sided corner now, 68 minutes. Williams takes, it's floated in, it's deep, deep, deep. Cooper on the line, off, off the line, ball to Millet. Oh no! The ball has across the line, I'm really sorry, the listeners. That's one each. I'm going to need to see the replay, the ball to the stick. There was a moment of frozen, um, Time stood, stood still. It's one each. Referee's given it. They see the, the, the replay. I can't tell you a thing about the goal. Madness. It's not yet good. Here it comes. Shane Hutchinson's got on the end of it somehow. I can't tell you how. All that matters is the ball's crossed the line. That's one all. Now more can press on. Yeah, the stadium has erupted, as you can hear. Let's watch it again. Shane Hutchinson gets the header. It seems to stick. It must have crossed the line. It looked like it was taken off the line. It, a shot came in. It's hit the Sunderland defender. Um, wow. Goal. like it crossed the line on, on the uh, on the screen I'm looking at those I know that's uh, some distance away I'll take it don't get me wrong I'm taking it but goal there we are one all well as Bomber said up at Burton we find a way we, we do find a way but at the moment we're finding a way that was that was one of the stranger goals that I think I've seen in my mill career but it's a, a, again we find a way great expression here comes Joel Savile surging forwards he's got a ball out rightwards this is Jed Wallace down by the corner flag it's put into the middle that's going to go for a goal kick Cooper launches it forwards now 78 minutes Morrison gets ahead to it Gregory just puts it wide of the post in front of the goalkeeper there took a bit of clattering but he's making out he is anyway he's on the floor he's alright he's got up now he had a car for Joel Savile a little clip on the heels of, of the Sunderland uh, midfielder there. 79 minutes. 80 minutes. Marshall's coming out. Fred's coming in. Entre Fred. Goal decision system. Let's watch this. Goal. Goal decision. Oh, it's crossed yeah, by a good foot over the line there. The goal decision system gave that goal, I think, in real time. It might, we might not have got that. But for the benefits of technology and their wonderful VAR systems they use now that was a goal across the line by about a foot you can't argue with a computer unless of course you're Hal in 2001 in which case you can argue with him or the episode of Star Trek where the, the computer made a mistake and was that one where the Spock only beat him at that three level chest that Spock played in played the computer and beat him and then that proved that the, the computer was um, up the creek in one episode, what was that? That was, uh, I think Kirk was on trial. Uh, he composed some video of him shooting someone. I don't know what he'd done. I don't even know why I brought, brought it up. But anyway, back to the action. 82 minutes.
Sunderland down the left-hand side. Now, this is the nine ball into the middle. That's in front of the 29. It's going to go for a goal kick. A better cross would have found his man there. That was a bit of a dangerous moment. As it was, it was too long. 86 minutes. It's too many time. Wallace is going to come out. Cahill's coming in. Ball up forwards. It falls to... Bouncing around at the far end. It falls to Morrison. who hoofs over the bar. We had to take a, a volley. Difficult circumstances and put it over the bar. Cahill tries to feed Fred forced off Flava by the defender there on the left hand side into the far corner it's gone for a Sunderland throwing got a man down in the uh, middle half one might speculate that's a professional injury five minutes of injury time while we wait an eternity for this bloke to be treated Marlon put the ball on the line for the goal kick and now the goalkeeper moves it and draws a yellow card for his troubles They've been taking an eternity over every dead ball. I know they're desperate for the point. And we'll see uh, three points having escaped them. That's uh, a, a yellow card there for the Sunderland goalkeeper for um, professionalism, I suppose you'd call that, wouldn't you? There's the final whistle. One all. It finishes. Um, the Lions will feel that wasn't a great, their greatest show. I mean, better second half. First half was um, overall pretty poor. Um, better second half for Mill, but that was... Um, a scrappy game, I think we were slightly out, out punched and out fought, out fought with a TH by Sunderland. Um, as it is, one point, probably um, neither side does neither side any, any good in their, their respective chases. But there it is, finish of the game, Mill 1, Sunderland 1. Achtung, Mehlball. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Lucas Ball Report. Full time of the den, this finished Millwall 1, Sunderland 1. Much better second half from the Lions. Um, they dominated it really, but they just they didn't have that final ball a lot of the time and it wasn't quite enough to win. Had a couple of chances, but no major misses or squandering of opportunities it's just got to be uh, I just got to be a bit better with that final pass next time out that's what the point's a point at the end of the day and substitute is not the best impact today but it'll do 
Hutchinson who gets the goal in the second half. Uh, goal line technology. We are thankful for some technology in football down here. It keeps the unbeaten run going and it, they've just got to carry on with the momentum of the unbeaten run and uh, over to, off to Hull on Tuesday night. Come on, you Lions. Yes, indeed, the Sunday morning nightmare for you, dear listeners. Um, that was a scrappy old performance by Mill yesterday, I felt. Um, as Neil Harris said in his post-match press conference, it was something of a reality check. I think I'd agree with Neil there. We never really seemed to get going in the firing on all cylinders yesterday. Certainly, we lost the first half. We were 1-0 down and lost it on, on balance of performance overall, I felt. A bright start to the game. Mill were the better team in the early stages, but Sunderland, to give them credit for a team at the bottom of the table and you know one that's fighting for its uh, for its championship existence, they did well to come back into it. The goal was very well taken. Some question marks over um, you know Jordan Archer being beaten again from distance. I personally felt that's a harsh judgment because that was a quality strike. Yesterday he's been beaten by worse shots than that. Yeah, dear listeners, yesterday I thought that was a fine strike by Oviedo, their, their number three. Um, so to hold that against him seems a little bit um, like you got it in for him. Infamy, infamy. So Neil Harris speaking in his press conference yesterday makes that very point that we didn't move the ball quick enough. Um, it gives credit to Sunderland and I think um, that's a fair point for, for stopping us. We didn't use the ball well enough. Too slow in our movement, says Neil Harris. He makes the point of how far we've come as a team, and I think probably that's the big story, the underpinning story for the season. Um, everyone's relegation favourites back in August, and now here we are getting disappointed because we've lost points in a in a playoff chase. So um, some mention online yesterday of booing at half-time as the teams left the pitch. Andrew MFC says he still can't get over some of our fans actually booing the teams off at half-time. Give your heads a wobble. That's a good way to put it. Give your heads a wobble. Wobble, it. wobble your heads now. We weren't great, but our form lately has been incredible. 13 out of 15 points in February, and people are moaning after one dodgy half. Um, you, you, it's a good point. The logic says that um, we never expected to be in this position. But I don't know about you, dear listener, if you were there yesterday, I felt the the very Millwall tension. I mentioned it in the stream of consciousness that I've just done. That very Millwall burden of expectation, um, the big game scenario. We're the world's worst favourites, aren't we, dear listeners? The best underdogs, but the world's worst favourites. And we carried that burden yesterday a little bit. And the performance probably reflected the fact that we don't step up to the plate well when we're expected to win. Jack TK says it could just be him, but he much prefers having Tunnicliffe in the midfield for a lot of games. He adds more energy and moves the ball a lot quicker. Harry will be on your case, Jack. Um, some criticism online yesterday for Shawnee Williams. Well, I felt didn't have a bad game. None, none of them had a brilliant game. I couldn't really pick out a man of the match yesterday for me. I gave everyone sixes and sevens, really, overall, because there was no one to really pick. Um, but, yeah, Tunnicliffe over Williams, there's a talking point. We'll, we'll pick that up with Harry when we do our radio show. Did I mention that earlier on? We're doing a radio show. Uh, I'll pick that point up, Jack, with Harry. Tunnicliffe over Williams, see what he says. Henry Fett, speaking from Manchester, obviously wasn't at the game yesterday, but he's able to make the judgment that Savile is shit. I don't agree with that, Henry. Um, difficult game yesterday. Midfield were always in a battle. 
and we probably lost the midfield battle yesterday, but that does not make George Savile shit far from it, in my opinion. Jake Sanders of the news at Den Southwark News says there were two points dropped there yesterday, but still nine unbeaten games in the league, 12 at the Den and 12 points won from losing positions, as in yesterday, so points won from losing positions. Speaking about Jordan Archer, Craig Jones makes the point, if only he was better at saving the ball from over 18 yards out than he is at throwing snowballs, referring, of course, to those um, you know, images of the team playing snowballs in the snow at Calmont Road in the week. Harsh. I, I, as I said, I felt that that was a decent strike yesterday, Craig, so I can't agree with you there, mate. Apologies. Mill halfway line says we clawed a point back well. But overall, that was a frustrating game. When we played the long ball, especially in the first half, we looked clueless. Agree with you there, MHL. And we let Sunderland dictate the pattern of the game. When we got the ball on the ground in the second half and played to our wingers, we tore them apart. Um, we, we certainly got at them more. I don't know if we tore them apart at any stage yesterday. Um, they were certainly looking more ragged towards the end of the game, and we were pressing. The goal was a strange one, dear listeners. Um, as you probably could tell in the um, stream of consciousness in real time, it was very hard to tell you if it, that if it had crossed the line. It didn't look like it had from my distance, but I was at the other end of the pitch. Um, clearly the old technology came to, to save the day there's a, I know there's been a lot of controversy about VAR and how that stopped the game in a number of televised incidents recently but thank the dear Lord Jehovah and, and, and Yahweh up in the sky for goal line technology yesterday because we wouldn't have got that goal I don't think but for the, but for the techno uh, influence there I'm not talking about the Wenger boys. Javier Savitia, yes, Javier Savitia, an intriguing Twitter character. Javier Savitia from Catalonia says the whole Millwall FC staff, team and fans deserve all the credit. Championship uh, performance on the second is lowest budget and we're 11th after 35 matches, 49 points. Fantastic season for Millwall. We keep fighting to the end. Come on, you lions, says Javier. Intriguing character. I'm going to have to get in touch with you, Javier. I want to talk to you, mate. You intrigue me. Tom S. says, another Tunnicliffe fan for Harry. Tom S. says, Tunnicliffe should have started today. Williams didn't impose himself at all. And we didn't have anybody who was prepared to go toe-to-toe with Catamol, who controlled the game in the first half. Millwall hashtag, he says. Um, I think there's one other point. I mean, there's a, a couple of sources have pointed out that despite their lowly position, Sunderland do have a wealth of Premier League talent. Maybe it's not performing at the moment, but they do have players that know their way round. They did look like a team that lacked confidence yesterday. Um, when they got playing, particularly towards the mid to late period of the first half, they didn't look like a team that should be struggling for relegation. But there we are. They, they lacked uh, cutting edge in front of goal. That's probably the best thing to say about them yesterday. Player ratings on the news at Den. Um, I gave everyone sixes and sevens. I really couldn't pick a man of the match. Um, at the moment, James Meredith is showing us the news at Den's choice, the, the popular choice, the Vox Populi, um, with eight out of ten. Um, he played well yesterday, James Meredith. I'm not sure that anyone was on an eight yesterday, but uh, Jordan Archer and Gold gets his customary six. I do think there's, um, there's an element of um, bias increasingly against him. Uh, Jake Cooper did okay. He won a few balls in the air. It was dangerous in the box yesterday. Seven point two from the uh, from the news at Den readership yesterday. Sean Hutchinson gets a seven point four. The aforementioned James Meredith comes in with eight. Marlon uh, did well for me yesterday. Marlon got forwards. Um, probably, as we've said a few times, he lacks a little bit in in defensive qualities, but he's a better player going forwards. Comes out with seven point five. So the the entire 
defensive back line being judged to be seven plus yesterday by the, the voice of the people. Um, in midfield, Saville got 6.5 and uh, Sean Williams got 6.2. It was We certainly lost the midfield battle yesterday. I can't put it any other way. We did better in the second half. But in the first half, when uh, Sunderland won their lead and won the first half, well, the game probably got away with us at that stage, we weren't really at the races. On the wing, Jed Wallace, 6.5. Not one of his more effective games. He's always dangerous. Jed can produce danger from nowhere, but uh, certainly yesterday was not um, out of the uh, the Jed Wallace, um, you know, creme de la creme uh, playbook, whatever that might be. There's no such thing. Ben Marshall, I thought did okay. I thought he did better than the 6.4 rating that he's been given yesterday by the, uh, you know, the 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 the, 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 the proles of news at Den. 6.4. I don't really mean that. You know, I don't really mean that. Up front, Lee Gregory and Steve Morrison had a, had a torrid time of it yesterday. Not really um, winning anything much up front. 6.7 for Lee Gregory, 6.5 for Steve Morrison. Both were under a lot of attention. Probably Greg's done, did better than Morrison yesterday. Onya Dim uh, came in. Um, I, I didn't, couldn't give him a rating. Wasn't on long enough. Nor Cahill um, for the few minutes that Tim got yesterday. Um, one does wonder with Timmy Cahill. Um, we'll probably return to this another time, another place. Um, these these kind of two-minute cameos, three-minute cameos he's getting at the end of the of the match. What's the point of Timmy if that's all he's going to get? Now, unless the, the gas comes off the pedal and, and our, our, our playoff run really doesn't um, take off, I know it's unlikely at the moment, then perhaps we'll start to see Tim Cahill coming in earlier. Will we see him start a game? Um, it's hard to see at the moment, but uh, the, the the purpose of signing him was surely to lift the stadium to get him involved. And um, coming in with two minutes to go, it, it does rather belie that point. Anyway, what do I know? I'm no uh, football manager, am I? One final point of praise for the club. The uh, season ticket prices have been announced. Early bird prices for next season, 2018-19. This has been a fantastic roller coaster ride and... Personally, I know that um, you know buying a season ticket is not always financially possible for us all. Um, but certainly for myself, I shall be ordering my season ticket for next season. Some fantastic deals on there. Actually, my eye was particularly drawn to the under 12s and under 16 prices. Under 12s, I think, are just 23 quid when bought with an adult ticket, clearly. And under 16s, I think, are 46 quid for the season when bought with an adult ticket. Now, those are fantastic prices, and uh, I just want to say well done to to Mill Football Club. Also, they're working with a finance company that makes the, uh, the buying of the season ticket a little bit more manageable for many people. Um, great work by Mill FC. Great, great pricing structure, and really good to see the kids being encouraged to come down to Den. Also, the, the the Zampa family stand, which continues to earn good praise generally. So, well done, Mill FC, for that pricing structure. And finally, I might have mentioned a couple of times, I might even have let the cat out the bag. Now, I don't really know and don't care, really. But there's a new radio station starting in London, new sport and current affairs radio station called Love Sports Radio. Um, great radio for a great city, says their their Twitter handle, Love Sport Radio, at Love Sport Radio. Listen to it on 558 AM and on the old digital radio. Now, Harry and I, Harry Warren and I, uh, have been invited, I don't know how long this is going to last for, we'll see, um, to do a Millwall fans show. 
in in the in the Love Sport Radio st- studios. Friday night, nine p.m. till ten p.m. on Love Sport Radio, broadcasting on five five eight a.m. around the world on digital radio, from Milan to Yucatan, from the Serengeti to the Maghreb, from Lebanon to Lee Green. We're going to be going out on five five eight a.m. radio. Um, I have images of. Chinese workers in the paddy fields, tribesmen in deepest Borneo winding up their clockwork radios to tune in to find out the news and views of Harry Warren and Nick Hart on Tony Cliff, Shawnee Williams, Lee Gregory and Jordan Archer. And that's what's going to be happening around the globe. Lovesportradio.com, lovesportradio, at lovesportradio on the Twitter. So keep an ear out for that, dear listeners. Um... We're going to see how that, how that pans out. We're going to see if that makes any difference to doing this show. We're going to carry on doing the podcast, but we'll also be on the old AM radio. All right, mates. Now then, we're going to be playing out today with an interview I did with Crazy Horse on the subject of Mill's oldest ever players. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. Tune into the Love Sport Friday night, 9 o'clock, and we'll see you here again this time next week on the old podcast. All right? <laughs> Huge welcome on the show now to journalist and author Neil Andrews of When Saturday Comes and Goalkeepers a Different website, Neil. What's the what's your website, mate? What's your website address? Goalkeepersadifferent.com. So you were almost there. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Neil. Right. Um we're doing a little piece for the listeners on the Millwall Over 35 Club, um, inspired obviously by the recent re-signing of Tim Cahill. Um and we just thought it'd be nice to look at the oldest players ever that have uh, turned out in the Millwall shirt. Um, I was going to include Steve Morrison, but he's actually under the age of 35, isn't he? 34 years old. No, he's not even a veteran, is he? Not a veteran at all. Tim Cahill, not the oldest player ever to pull on the Millwall shirt. Um, and I missed this one, but you, you picked up the oldest, Neil, didn't you? Mr Nigel Spink. He's not the oldest. Is he not? He's oh. not, no. The oldest is Jack Falk. So Jack Fault. Jack Fault before the boy. He was forty-two. Wow. He he was a right back when he played for Millwall. Um, yeah. Famous name. Yeah. Um. England international as well. So one of yeah. Millwall's um, England uh, caps. One of our few. Yeah. But he's got another claim to fame as well, and um, he stayed on with the club for a total of fifty-one years. Did he? Uh, yeah. He, um. Was that wartime? Time uh, would come into that, I guess. Well, various roles: coach, trainer, groundsman, scout. Right. Tea lady, I think. As well. <laughs> but then second then, in that case, give it a second build-up, would be Nigel Spink back in the old third division days at the end of the late 90s. Possibly. It's oh? him or John Jackson. <laughs> it's either him or John Jackson, isn't it? You know, John Jackson was well in his 40s. When, I well, think he was 40 when he was playing for us, wasn't he? I, I thought so. I, I thought yeah. he was. Um, but John Jackson, who I remember well in the, in the late 70s, good goalkeeper, Mm. made his name with Crystal Palace. Um, his date of birth was the 5th of September 1942, and his last game, so far as I can find out, was aged 38. Um, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Actually. 1981. Um, and I, away think you win. I, 
yeah, I'm confused there. Is he went on and played for Ipswich in the first division? He carried on, which, yeah. yeah, which was kind of unheard of. He played, um, I think it was two games as backup to Paul Cooper. Palace used to have some very um, long, long-running goalkeepers. I remember, uh, was it Peter Burridge was around for Donkey's years as well, back in the John Burridge, John Burridge, John Burridge. Yeah, Burn, yeah. He, yeah. he was well in two. I think he was forty-six when he stopped playing. Yeah, amazing. But John mm. Jackson was. Um, I mean, I, I was following the lines in the 70s, so I would have been about 18 or 19 at that time. And he, he just looked old. He, <laughs> he seemed to be yeah. carved out of yeah, um, he, rock, you know. Yeah, he had um, was it, a, well, was it, a well-worn face, or well-worn how do they describe it? You know, rugged features or, you know, a face that you know, told a thousand stories. <laughs> so, yeah, his last appearance was at Huddersfield, Leeds Road, as it would have been back then, 1981, April, a 1-0 win for Millwall. And he was aged 38 at the time. Um, he'd played over 340 games for Palace and 220 for Orient. So, mm. uh, you know, two two long uh, stints there at those two clubs. 89 games for Millwall. Um, in a, in a, a fairly dull time for the Lions, really. It was a mm. relegation period, wasn't it? Third division football. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I remember him well, actually. You know, that was, he came after Pat Cuff. Uh, which is which is probably why I remember him well. Um, <laughs> Even now, he, I wince. He, he managed to force Pat Calf out of, out of uh, Mill's number one spot. But um, I've got fond memories of John Jackson. He was a great goalkeeper, wasn't he? He, he was. He was a fantastic was, goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, at a time where the Lions were on the back foot generally, and he, he he kept goal for us very well. As did Nigel Spink, of course. Going back to mm. Spinky. Um, who joined us again in, in dire times. 1997 wasn't a great time to be a Millwall fan. Um, Not he, a player, I don't think, but, you know. No. Um, it was a real bad th- army at the time, wasn't it? Because yeah. um, Betty Bonds brought in all his old mates. I think Jimmy Cart was running down the wing with a Zimmer frame. That's right. Um, yeah. Paul Allen in midfield in his wheelchair. You know, they, well, he's on my list. Paul Allen's on my list um, yeah. as another ancient player. Um, but, of course, Nigel Spinks claimed to fame, Neil. He's one of the few Englishmen to hold a European Cup winner's medal, isn't he? In Vaston Villa. Um, well, there was quite a few back then. But, back um, then, yeah. He had two claims to fame in that he, um, not only did he uh, win a European Cup medal having come on as a sub, he won his only England cap coming on as a sub as well. I didn't know that. So, yeah, back in 83, I think it was against Australia, something like that. But, um, yeah, That's a nice he, little um, story, isn't it? Both were substitutes, his two big successes. Um, it's funny because Jimmy Rimmer, uh, who he replaced, um, he never finished one. I think he never finished his England game. So um, he came off as a sub at half time when um, England were losing 2 0 to Italy in 76 over in America. Yeah. When they played on a baseball pitch and the sand at one end. Yankee Stadium. Yeah. It was a game of two halves. England won the game 3 2 because you know, <laughs> Italy couldn't cope with the sand either. So, um, <laughs> I remember that. It was quite a strange sight and um, mm. first time I'd ever seen a baseball stadium on TV as well. The whole thing was quite odd. Um, we've mentioned Paul Allen, midfielder. Um, who joined the Lions also in, was it 1997, he joined us. Another yeah. Bonzo signing. Um, he'd made his name at West Ham Spurs primarily, but he came to us very much in the twilight of his career, didn't he? Yeah, we almost signed him, didn't we? Yeah. Um, when in, I think it was 89, uh, when we yes, were yes, looking to back. sign him in the summer, but he didn't want to come because he wanted to be the star player and had the biggest wages or something, and the deal fell through. So who knows, he could have kept us up. I doubt it, but you know. I doubt it. He was one yeah. of those um, 
like a uh, I call them glue midfielders, a mm. bit like Livermore. They they they're water carriers, aren't they? It wasn't it wasn't a um it wasn't across the road to watch him type player. He was just uh, endlessly a dynamo in midfield, really, primarily. No. I mean, if his surname was an Allen and his cousin wasn't Clive and, you know, Les and Bradley and all the other Allens, um, you know, it, it would have been, not nondescript would have been unfair, but, you know, he probably got a bit more attention than everyone else. But, of course, you know, his big claim to fame, that uh, um, his record got broken by Curtis Weston of the youngest ever FA Cup finals. Oh, yeah, Curtis. Well, actually, that's not true, actually. Paul Allen was the youngest since the war. Yeah. So there was a player before the war, but Curtis Weston trumped them both by... Playing for what was it, one minute plus injury time? He came on right at the very death of it, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. There is a name for you. I don't know if you remember Mel Blythe from the oh, late seventies. Another former Palace player. Yeah, we we used to specialise mm. in taking Palace retirees. I think at that time. Um, yeah, Mel Actually, Blythe, defender. Yeah, if I'm, is it was it Mel Blythe? I'm sure someone will phone in correctly. But um, we're talking about the dark days of Millwall, and mm. I think Mel Blythe was in the same team as John Jackson. He was but, at that um, time, yeah. yeah. A policeman tried to arrest him during the game for using foul language or industrial <laughs> language on the pitch. I, th- I, think I, I think I'm pretty certain it's not right. Now you say that, I've got a vague memory of that story, yeah. but I'd, I'd have to check it. But I'm the... Yeah, it's something like Swindon Town or it's something like that. that um, he was wearing and such famous policeman came on the pitch and tried to arrest him for bad language. Oh, and anyone who lived through the, the George Petchy third division, late 1970s, early 80s, would have plenty to swear about, wouldn't they? To be honest, <laughs> if, he, if he wanted to raise his arrest rate, you know, he just could have to go to a Millwall game under Petchy, wouldn't he? So he signed us for us from Margate in November 1978. He retired in 1981, Mel Blythe. Uh, his last starting appearance, age 36, was at home to Burnley in a two-all draw, February 1981. Um, big central you, defender. You know who else? It was 38, 39 when mm. he played for us. Was, sure. um, do you remember Paul Jones, the Welsh international keeper? Played three games on loan in 2005. That season when we had all the goalkeepers. You topped me there. I'd I'd, I'd missed him entirely. Um, Now you say his name. You know, I'm not going to miss him, am I? (laughs) I'd have to check him out. It sounds vaguely familiar, but it's one of those obscurities that pass through the den, don't they? There's loads and loads of players like that. Um, He had had three pretty decent games, actually. Um, I'll have to look him up. I'm trying to picture him. Steve Claridge, Neil. um, (laughs) Never heard of him. Never heard of him. (laughs) Um, If you're doing a player profile of anyone, avoid Steve Claridge, because the list of clubs goes on and on and on and on. It's quite incredible. 82 starts from Millwall, 19 substitute appearances, 33 goals. He was a real um, late career classic wasn't he um much loved and much respected still yeah he was um you know it comes down to fitness and looking after yourself didn't you and yeah i know you know he couldn't walk past the bookies but um you know he was (laughs) competing on um superstars when he was 38 37 38 wasn't he and um made the final he's a character you don't you know the game i don't know maybe it's the curse of getting older but Character seemed to leave the game, whereas he was a yeah. true character, wasn't he? Um, a fantastic season, 2002-2003 playoff season, I think. Um, and uh, he's alongside Richard Sadler, if memory serves. Yeah, he was. And um, Jim, well, you must be aware of the Fisber of Hanasaurus. The, they, you know, they oh, the, uh, the, yeah, the Roger, Hanasaurus for their yeah, yeah. euphemisms. You know, um, I once <laughs> submitted one, you know, Steve Claridge. 
average looking bloke who scores at every club he goes to, you know. <laughs> and, you know, he kind of was, wasn't he? You know, you know he, he had, clearly had talent, he clearly had skill, but he could clearly find the back of the net, which is oh, all you yeah. really want from a striker. He was the poor man's Kenny Dalglish, wasn't he? He um, could always find the back of the net in that way. Is... Oh, but they you know he, he was a Millwall legend before he even joined the Wall. He's one of those in the elite club, wasn't he? Because he scored that winner against Palace in the playoffs oh, the play in '96, two seconds from time. <laughs> I remember laughing about that. I'm going through the summer and it just popped in my head, and I start laughing again. We still laugh about that to this day. Yeah. His last appearance was age 37, and he came on in the 80th minute. For one, Moses Ashikodi, who will draw a discreet veil over his his exit from the club. That was in a the youngest ever Millwall player. He was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know who he's plays for now. Um, mm. A detention well, centre somewhere. Didn't Claridge <laughs> play in a friendly when he came back as player manager at 39? He, he carried on. The, just a little snippet. I looked on Wikipedia mm. and they said he was playing as recently as 2017. He turned out for Salisbury in a one-off. Going age 51. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it rivals Sir Stanley Matthews. He was playing since his 50s, wasn't he? In the he 60s. was. Um, doesn't rival Neil McBain, who um, was a goalkeeper for New Brighton. He was about 52 when he turned out. <laughs> he was also the manager and they had an injury crisis. And it's like, sounds like a Sunday league team, doesn't it? You know, yes. goalkeeper hasn't turned up, so the manager's got to go in. <laughs> Great player now, Carlos Edwards, defender, left us quite recently, 2016. Um, signed as on loan from Ipswich. He only played well, 38 starts he, he made for us. And his last start was age 37, which was at Wembley in that uh, awful 3-1 playoff final loss against Barnsley. Good player. Mm. I like Carlos Edwards. Um, yeah. Joined yeah, us late, didn't he? You know? Honest pro, as they say. Yeah. Honest pro. Been yeah. around. Wrexham, Luton, Sunderland, Wolves and then... Ipswich, and um, he's also listed as currently playing for Woodbridge Town in the Eastern Counties League Division 1, amazingly, yeah. from Trinidad. Um, another goalkeeper for you now, Neil. David Ford, 338 starts, and his last starting appearance was a, a poor one. And it, it, it kind of, um, it's a shame, really, because he had a great career at Millwall, um, but it was in that 2-0 defeat at home to Oxford in the John yeah, Play- Johnston Player Trophy final. Yeah, the post, yeah. Um, got beaten at the yeah. post. He lost his confidence yeah. completely, didn't he? Yeah, it's quite funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, great goalkeeper, come from Irish yeah. club. Everyone's calling, everyone's calling. Yeah, everyone's calling for his reserve to be put in the sticks because he's much better. And um, oh yeah, what's his name? I can't remember the name of his reserve, but when he was in the sticks. <laughs> he's, again, Ford yeah. is still on um, Cambridge United's books in League Two, um, so he's still playing. Um, yeah. He, he, Conceded six earlier in the season, if I remember rightly. <laughs> Ricardo Fuller um, signed as a free agent in in the um, the Holloway era, um, playing age thirty five as a seventy ninth minute substitute for Lee Gregory in the, one of the final games in the Championship League, a three all draw at home to Derby twenty fifteen. Um, his most famous moment was when he put the ball on the roof, didn't he, at the Cold Blow Lane end? I was going to say that cross for. Um... Martin Woodford to score against Fulham when we were top of the league. Oh, yeah. yeah. And everyone's saying, yeah, yeah, Holloway's going to take his absolutely Yeah, he bloody did, didn't he? Uh, you forget the good stuff and remember only the bad stuff. Oh, I, no. I, I'm oh, sure yeah. that ball must still be on the roof of the stand. I can't imagine everyone's ever gone up to get it down. Yeah. An exclusive uh, club, you know, alongside Mickey Bennett. <laughs> Richard Shaw played for us aged um, 39. And he was quite advanced in years. Um, his last game was... Um, 
a loss to Port Vale in 2008, a 3-1 loss at home to Port Vale. Mm. Another very solid defender, Neil. Another Crystal Palace man as well. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's funny how we keep getting them at the twilight of their years, isn't it? But um, yeah, yeah. Another one came in. He won Player of the Season as well, didn't he? But that he was very deserved, wasn't it? He was tremendous in that. Um, God, that was an awful season, wasn't it? Well, he was a steadying influence. Um, mm. He was a bit of a rock around which uh, lesser players could coalesce. Um, he also served as coach and caretaker manager between Donerkey and Jackie in 2007. Mm. He did, so, yeah. So quite a quite a contribution to the club, mm. really, Richard Shaw. Um, unsung hero in, in some ways. Um, Ray Wilkins. Ray Wilkins. Illustrious career, Ray Wilkins. Um, joined us at the age of 39 in 1997 on a, a short-term contract from Hibernian. Well, I don't know yeah. what he was do, doing at Hibs, but um, he joined Millwall from Hibs in 97. I remember his debut. Did you, I, I missed it. I missed it. Did yeah. you go? Yeah, it was um, auto windscreen shield against Colchester United when um, Andrew <laughs> Iger had his moment in the sun. And Andrew lost Iger. Oh, God yeah. Um, fantastic career, Ray Wilkins, because he became he's become a slight um, figure of fun in some ways, isn't he? Because of his punditry. But when you look at his playing career, Neil, it's stacked with um, you know with achievement from Manchester United, Chelsea, England, two World Cups, a European Championship, uh, AC Milan, Ibrox. He's been there and done it and bought the t-shirt. He has, but you know, I would still argue that he didn't really fulfil his potential. You know, um, when we were doing the book before Christmas, you know, mm. looking through my old annuals, you know, Ray Wilkins dominated. The, I remember shoot annual 1980 because yeah. he was the youngest ever Chelsea captain, wasn't he? Destined for great things. He was. He went to the European yeah. Championship, scored that goal and um, yeah. then started passing the ball sideways. Well, he, he, um, he was cursed with the name picked, The Crab yeah. by Ron Atkinson, wasn't he? Yeah. Never lost that. No, and then he got sent off against um, what was it Morocco, wasn't it, in the 1986 World yeah, Cup? Yeah, I remember he, he was he's a very funny bloke actually, Ray Wilkins. You know, you go and you know, put Ray Wilkins down as a comedian, but you know, someone once asked him on a panel show what happened, and he just went, you know, I threw the ball down in frustration, and unfortunately, it bounced up and hit the ref in the face. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> very um, droll, very droll. Uh, I always remember his punditry um, years ago before he joined us. Um, on I think it was what when Radio Five first started out. Okay, well, yeah. it could have been just before that actually when we played um, in the FA Cup, uh, 1990, the uh, 89-90 season. We went down. We um, beat Manchester City in a replay again at the Den uh, when Paul Goddard scored that goal that won him gold of the season. Yeah. I think it's only one he scored. And um, Ray Wilkins <laughs> on the radio, I remember listening to it on you know coming back and saying, Yeah, this is really good for Millwall, you know. They're down there in a relegation dogfight and these cup runs can, you know, boost your league performances, you know, it's the best thing for them. And then when we got knocked out by Cambridge in the following round, he, he turned around and went, Yeah, yeah, you know, you don't want to yeah, distraction the FA Cup, concentrate <laughs> on the league, getting knocked out is the best thing for them. It's like, what? <laughs> I mean, what I a remember him. Around makes, yeah. He was a great player and, and when he came to Millwall in the seventies when we beat Chelsea three nil, famous image of him crying because he was young at the time and they'd been, you know, well and truly beaten that day big game um, but he was highly rated and I know what you mean about not fulfilling his, his potential but you know for for a crab his, his sideways passing took him a long way really didn't it when you look at the, the you know the career he did have yeah yeah it's 
bit like Steve McManaman in many ways when he went to Real Madrid and suddenly became this defensive holding midfielder who won the European Cup. Yeah. You know, it's like, you, you always thought he you know, could have done a lot more. Um, but I don't know, yeah. Who am I to argue yeah. with my five-a-side medals from when I was 10? <laughs> so just four starts, uh, no goals for Ray Wilkins, midfielder. Um, England captain in his time and uh, you know, illustrious career. Um, I remember he had a very good game against Preston North End. We won 3-2. Yeah. I think it was Preston North End. And um, we won thanks to Ray Wilkins. He was knocking the ball around sublimely. You know, and, quality um, we had turn, wasn't he? Quality turn. We had a lot of youngsters playing that day as well. And you know, I think Mark Burcham made his debut. And yeah. uh, someone else as well, you know, geeing them along. Um, you know, and obviously we couldn't afford his wages when we went into administration. But, you know, uh, kind of a wise head amongst um, a group of youngsters. You know, he could have gone a long way. Wise Head is a nice lead-in to Dennis Wise, um, his managerial oppo during our cup run and brief foray into Europe. Um, Dennis Wise, midfielder, 81 starts, 10 goals for us. Um, and he played us, uh, I think it was the age of uh, 38, his last appearance, which is in, in 2005, and a 0-0 draw with Burnley. Um, he divides opinion wise, he nil, doesn't he? You either love him or you hate him. Yeah, he um he appeared in the same series of um, superstars with Steve Claridge. He didn't get reached the final, but that must be the only time two Millwall players have ever appeared <laughs> in a TV um, program on separate episodes. But yeah, um, yeah, as um as a player, again, he could really control games. He was the, he as was a, the best controller of a game. I, I I can't think of many other players like him in yeah. my middle um, supporting life, but I thought he was the best controller of a game, the best, um, yeah, that, that kind of dark side. He would win three kicks. He would produce mm. goals when you needed it the most. He was he was the real package in, in that way. Controversial figure, um, and he had you know has his his other side. But as a as a player, I I agree. One of the best I've seen. I think. Yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, as a manager, I think the jury will always be out. Well, the jury is out because um, I've, my notes here have put Mother's Day Massacre, one of the great days of being a Millwall fan, and we were still in with a chance of promotion at that time. Um, but obviously, we'd also made the cup final, and the league just went completely off the boil, Neil, didn't it? And mm. that all in in favour of the glory day of, of the cup final, which went the way it did. But there's still a annoying sense that that should have been a nearer thing in the league, shouldn't it? And you've got to take that back to the manager and his approach. Yeah, um, you know, it, you know what could have been. You know, we were clearly one of the best teams in the league that season. But I mean, this this debate came up over the old Tottenham fiasco and Rochdale, etc. You know, mm. yeah, in ten years' time, you know, can you remember who we played in the league? No, so you, well, you, you remember, remember playing Sunderland and a few of them, but you remember the West Ham you know, game, one or two others, yeah. but they're generally fodder, aren't they? You know, yeah, uh, but you know, people always remember cup runs and you know when you beat the big boys and when you had giant killings, etc. You know, no one can remember who we played on a wet Tuesday evening, or you know, yeah, I, I mean, Tim Cahill got sent off after the semi-final, didn't he? Um, he did. Who did we play? Oh, well, I can't tell you now. This this far removed. Maybe that's the lesson. You you forget the league games, the non-entities, and remember the big yeah. days, don't you? Which tends yeah, to I think, be. I think it was Southend United, but <laughs> someone have to check that for me. Yeah, but there it is. You know, you don't you don't remember those kinds of days. You mm. do remember the glory days. 
Um, and then again, another lead in. And, and finally, Tim Cahill, now aged 38. Um, he's made a couple of um, late cameos since his return, trying to regain fitness. Um, a great player, a great player in his day. Um, not sure we've seen anything yet that's going to contribute much on the pitch, Neil, but clearly he's got influence off of it. He seems to be, um, you know, he seems to be having an impact in, in the dressing room, doesn't he? Yeah, I think, you know, him just signing, I think, gave everyone a lift in it um, yeah. all around the ground. Um, you know, in the dressing room, like you say as well, you know, I've, I've seen him play for Australia, to be fair. I saw him play in the... Um, the uh, World Cup playoffs. Yeah, he, he scored still, their goals, didn't he? Yeah, he he's still a threat in the box. Yeah, um, but it's like anything. Yeah, anyone needs a run in the side, and he's not going to do much coming on the 89th minute. No, um, I thought when he came on against Birmingham, he had that great run and could have set up uh, Fred for a goal. Yeah, um, but you know, it's like you know a boxer. You know, when they get into the ring after a few, you know, after a long time out of the ring, you know, it takes a few rounds or, you know, to get back into the swing of it. And the same for football, you still need the games under your belt before, you know, you can start firing on all cylinders, shall we say, and, um, you know, start delivering the goods. But, you know, he's... Um, it's one of the great stories, isn't he? <clears throat> one of the great stories of the it club. Is, it, it's, yeah, it's a nice romantic ending as well to his career, if it is the end of his career, you know. Plays yeah. Millwall, goes to the World Cup. They're not going to win the World Cup, but, you know, he's um, he's come back and, you know, I mean, we were sitting there when they showed that video at the Grand, and when he walked out, you could sense, you know, the optimism and the excitement there, which um, I honestly haven't. So the last time I saw that was when we signed the two Russians. Hopefully he doesn't go the same way and he gets arrested for being drunk at five in the morning, driving around to South London, but you never know. Well, he nearly got himself sent off up at Burton. There was a moment when flying into a tackle, I thought, oh my God. God, there we go. He's going to get a red card, and that's going to be the the Tim Cahill story brought to a premature close. You know. Yeah, I, I always call that the Dave Savage effect. Um, <laughs> you know, for those who could don't know Dave Savage, I don't remember Dave Savage. Okay, winger, bit average, but he, he then played five times one summer for the Republic of Ireland. It was an international. Yeah. And he would go down the wing, and it's like he would get so far, and you knew he didn't get tackled lose the ball or just fall over because he'd be knackered. But if a defender was near and he fell over, we always got free kick because obviously he's now an international winger, isn't he? So That's right. he's you bound to be brought down by this clogger um, from the lower leagues. And then it's like, you know, it's the international effect. Run rings around someone, fall down, you get a free kick. Same Absolutely. thing, you know. You can't have a you know international star striker being sent off because, you know, he's just hit someone from Burton Albion. <laughs> true. Very true, mate. It's fantastic, Neil. Um, really appreciate it. Neil Andrews of goalkeepersaredifferent.com when Saturday comes. And recently I saw The Guardian, Neil. Arkachu getting in The Guardian. Yes. Um, well, not, not really getting in The Guardian as such. <laughs> but um, when Saturday comes, I've got to deal with The Guardian where they kind of take one article. Right. I think it's a month. And um, I think this is the second month in a row it's been one of mine, although the previous one was... Uh, four-year-old article but right. um it, it's always nice when um someone says oh yeah and that's worth yeah, republishing i don't get paid for it or anything like that but yeah. um it, it's just nice for the glory and for the you know linkedin profile ain't that the truth nice one neil many thanks mate thanks for coming on the show oh, much appreciated no anytime you've been listening to octoon millwall the cbl magazine podcast that's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.